0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome, episode 52 of the No Look Past podcast presented by WRSTN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, and it turns out Hillary Clinton went to the Golden State Warriors School of Holding Leads, and I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint, so mode, what's good. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I got my man flip Mode with me at some point. Let's see if I can hear him. Hey yo, Flint mode, you there? Did you buzz me in? I did. You're you're all buzzed in. I, I just wanna say I'm disappointed bad. with last night.
1: How that turned out with the Cavaliers game. You weren't supposed to lose. <laughs>
0: uh, a a big upset in Ohio. The uh the Atlanta Hawks beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. The only upset in Ohio. So we are going to get into our show. Um, as you know, if you if you listen to the show every single week, uh, we basically take a journey around the NBA throughout the season. Uh, this week, we stopped in Houston to look at the Rockets. We're going to talk pretty much extensively about our experience with that team this week. And then we have a couple of things we want to do after. We're going to get into some preseason predictions that we still feel very confident about in the first couple of weeks of action. And then I'm really excited for this, Andy. We are going to talk the baby Lakers versus Lob City. Who is the king of L.A. when it comes to entertainment? But first, our segment, while you were watching TNT, we were in Houston watching the Houston Rockets. Let me pull up their schedule really quick. Uh, They had a two-and-two week, surprisingly, uh, I was actually surprised by this, Andy, because I thought they did better than this, but apparently they didn't. Uh, two losses uh, to Cleveland and Atlanta, and two wins against the Knicks and the Wizards. Andy, how many Houston Rocket games did you watch? Well, I caught
1: the bonus game, so I got the Wizards, the Hawks, and the Knicks.
0: Wizards, Hawks, and the Knicks. So you missed the Cavaliers. That was a good... The Cleveland Cavaliers game was a good game. Uh, so... What was your first impression of, of the Houston Rockets? Because this is a very, very interesting team.
1: Well, I think the offense works kind of how, you know, we may have thought it was going to work. The defense is a disaster. <laughs>
0: I, I think that's a, that's, that's a pretty good, like, 10-second summary of, of the uh, Houston Rockets. I just want to say that the Cleveland game, the first thing I noticed is that James Harden led the team in points, assists, and rebounds. Uh, 41 points, 15 assists, and 7 rebounds. And listen, Mike D'Antoni, we all had like this idea like, oh my God, what is Mike D'Antoni going to do with James Harden? And he just decided to take the most prolific shooting guard in the league and just turn him into the most prolific point guard in the league. And all I got to say is, you know, Mike that D'Antoni... Very- just shut up and take my money! Just, just shut <laughs> up and just take my money because I want to watch every single minute of James Harden as a point guard. I want to watch him like try and make a pass that has no possibility of, of being made and having six turnovers in the, in the first quarter, which I believe he did against Washington. I want to watch him throw lobs to Clint Capella. I want to watch him take pull-up threes, even though it doesn't make any sense, and it's like there's 30 seconds left in, in the quarter and you're just taking a, a pull-up three when you could have just uh, leaked the clock down for the last shot. I just want to watch it all. That's all I know.
1: Well, we've been begging for teams to make their most dynamic ball handler and scorer their point guard. And, you know, sometimes the point guard by default is that player. But, you know, we, we've been wanting this for a long time, and we're, we're finally getting to see it hard and average close to 13 assists a game, which is crazy as PERs through the roof. But, like I said at the beginning, the, the defense is very hard to watch. Um, that Wizards yeah. game, Gortat was just, I mean – Every basket was easy. Clint Capella with his defense is there, but when he's not on the court, I mean, it's, they, they get tough to to watch when you got guys like, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson in there trying to defend anyone. But I will say Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, kind of been perfect compliments to Harden offensively. Harden dribbles in sometimes gets himself in trouble. You just kind of see the ball pop out, ends up in the shooter's hands and Gordon in, uh, Jordan and Anderson are just heat checking threes too. They don't care where they shoot from. So I think that that's good. And that's one of the things that's working, but guys walking into the paint, John wall had a field day in the paint in that game. Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting. John wall too. shout out for uh, passing West So to be the, the number one, uh, assist guy in
0: team history
1: for the, the bullets slash wizards. But yeah, there, there's some problems <laughs> here, but still above 500 with the, with the Rockets. I still feel okay about them. We'll have to see.
0: Yeah, it turns out that the starting backcourt of James Harden and Eric Gordon is not a defensive uh, stopper. I I, I don't know if anybody was was banking on that in the preseason, that the the starting backcourt of James Harden and Eric Gordon was going to just lock you down defensively. And like you said, it it didn't become – I mean, it was pretty evident beforehand, but then when you see, like, uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal just having their way against them all game, it's just, like, so obvious that they need – some defense and that brings me to it's sort of my elephant in the room question, but I mean, basically the elephant in the room is who plays defense on this team. Like, like you brought up, uh, it, it really brings me to one of my observations though, is Patrick Beverly, right? Injured, probably going to be back at some point this season, but does he fit on this team? I, I really don't know the answer because like you're saying, he can play defense. Patrick Beverly is one of the better defensive point cards in the league, but does he really fit the, the spacing, uh, aspect of the team offensively, and, and then the how, how do they really balance that?
1: Well, I think with Beverly, obviously getting him back is is great in the sense that you now have uh, a backup point guard to Harden, a guy who can, you know, create a little bit of offense, you know, during rest periods, and then you're not leaving, you know, the ball in the hands of, like, Tyler Ennis or uh, who's the other? Bobby Brown is the other guy there. Uh No. No uh, Bobby Brown (laughs) R&B, obviously. But, you know, I I don't think you're pushing Eric Gordon, you know, out of the lineup to play Beverly at the two, although it would help defensively. Maybe you do. Maybe they do try something where they play Beverly at the two with Harden on the ball, Eric Gordon off the bench for shooting. But like I said before, I just think that the Gordon thing works so well with Harden that it's kind of hard to break up. Although Bev has been known to be able to spot up and hit the three. And, you know, again, they do need his defense. I'm concerned with the defense inside. Clint Capella, I mean, you know, the kid holds his own. Uh, Slender man, 2.0. Uh, I just, it's just not enough.
0: The problem, too, is that it's not like Clint... I mean, Clint Capella is good defensively, but he's not, for example, he's not Dwight Howard. You know what I mean? He's not like a really great rim protector stopper. I mean, he could be that. I mean, he's still a young player, so it's not like they have just the stud defensively. He's just an above-average defensive center and and becomes even more above-average when he's the only person really playing defense on the team. And then you're like, wow, Clint Capella, look at him. He's the defensive identity of this team, which is not really a compliment to Clint Capella. It is somewhat, but it's really just an insult to the rest of the team playing defense.
1: Well, so here's my question for you, then. Is that what this team needs is the defensive staple at the five? They need, you know, what maybe Clint Capella will be in, you know, three or four years. He's only 22, like you pointed out, he's young. Do they need – I mean, is this team a serious team if they have, say, uh, Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Jordan or somebody who is just an intimidating force at the rim? I mean, is that what this team is lacking?
0: I don't think so. I I think they need more than that. I think they just need a more overall, I think they need more of a, I think they need, let me put it this way. I think they need Trevor Ariza from like 2010 on this team because Trevor Ariza now is just not, he doesn't really have the defensive intensity that like we once knew Trevor, like Trevor Ariza was really one of your prototypical three and D guys. And this is one of the things I observed too, him and Ryan Anderson kind of take turns being good. It's like neither one of them are really good at the same time. It's either Trevor Reyes is hitting his shots or Ryan Anderson's hitting his shots, or one of them is playing defense, the other person's not. So I really think they they, they do need, like you're saying, Rudy Gobert at the five would be like just, just perfect for this team. I, I don't know any other word to say it. But they also need a defensive wing player that can bring them an identity in terms of we play defense as a team. And and right now they don't, they don't have that. We just, they just have, we score and we try to play enough defense in order to win the game.
1: And I was going to bring up Ariza to you because I share the same, and I almost was one, I wonder a little bit if some of that is the system. I I mean, because I've never known Trevor Ariza to, I mean, he's kind of become a, an offensive player, which is weird. I mean, not that he couldn't play offense. You know, you could rely on him, like you said, the 3 and D. Yeah, he's not playing defense, and I wonder if that's a little bit of the Mike D'Antoni system. And I do wonder if some of their issues, uh, you talked about either he playing or Ryan Anderson playing very well. I wonder if some of that is guys still getting used to each other, feeling each other out. I mean, we are seven games in for the Houston Rockets. So I do think that there are a lot of the negatives they have right now are very fixable things, except maybe the overall defense. Um, But, yeah, Beverly coming back. Ariza, more intensity. And, you know, maybe those things do make Clint Capella's job a little easier. And then we could see him up near, you know, maybe two blocks a game instead of he's pretty close to about one and a half uh, currently. So, you know, eight rebounds a game, a little over nine points.
0: Yeah. What I'm curious about is when you say the defense isn't fixable, do you think it's more of a, like, a personnel issue? Or do you think it's an effort issue? Because I I had a hard time deciding that because – it really seems like they're not too interested in playing defense. They're more interested on in getting, getting to the other end of the floor. I don't know if that's what you saw. And if it's an effort issue, I think that's a lot more fixable than we just don't have the personnel to play good defense.
1: Well, I think, A, the personnel is not great.
0: Um, you know, right.
1: Well, if you, if you just look at the depth chart and you look at the, the five highlighted players who start, you only see one of them as a defensive guy, and we just spoke about how he doesn't play defense anymore. So that's a problem. A, um, B, I do think that the D'Antoni system is where you're talking about where they're just running for an offensive possession. That's kind of his thing. But a little bit, I do I do feel like there's still a feeling out process. I never expect this team to crack the, the top five in def- defense or the top ten, but I, I do see fixable things. Um, and, you know, it's maybe a wait and see. It, they're still interesting. They still, you know, are selling tickets. We're coming to the show.
0: Yeah. yeah they're definitely one of the more entertaining teams in the league without without question, and I think the Mike D'Antoni recipe for success has always been to be a mediocre defensive team, not the worst defensive team, because I think that's a misconception with a lot of D'Antoni teams. They're not really like a bottom-five defensive team. They're more just in, like, the teams, you know, like the 18th or the, the 19th best defensive team. and sometimes you just have a prolific enough offense that it really makes it work. The other thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you saw this particular play in the uh, Rockets' Hawks game, but my man K.J. McDaniels, who I really like on this team, he needs to ask Dwight Howard permission before he leaves the house now. That's, I just, it, it's over. My man drove the baseline, thought he was going to end Dwight Howard's career, and just got completely mushed. The referee's called a foul, which was completely the foul. bogus. Ugh, oh, terrible. It was, one of the, it was one of the best blocks I've ever seen. It was like Orlando Magic Dwight Howard. So, KJ McDaniels, I I just hope you have Dwight Howard on speed dial because if you need to go to a sleepover, you need to call Dwight Howard to make sure he thinks it's okay. And
1: that was actually my favorite part of watching this team, oddly enough. And because it was because of what Mike Budenhoser's mouthed over on the sideline after that, it was definitely the F word. And it was great to see because (laughs) I kind of love when Mike's freaking out over there. He's one of the more entertaining guys to watch when he's pissed off, let me tell you. (laughs)
0: But <laughs> let, let me tell you. Uh, the only other thing I had here was uh, Corey Brewer. Uh, it's over. I, I think it's over for Corey Brewer. I don't I don't really know if it ever started for him much. I mean, he had, like, some spurts where you thought he might be, like, a good player. Uh, I think he's best known for cherry-picking at the other end, where he just, like, stays on the offensive end, and then all of a sudden there's a turnover, and he's just cherry-picking baskets. But they tried starting him against the Wizards for, like, a, you know, again a defensive intensity on John Wall and John Wall just completely ripped him to shreds. I think he had like 14 in the first quarter or something like that. It was it was bad.
1: And John Wall, I must say we know he's fast, but every time I watch John Wall play and I, you know, I was just reminded cuz I was actually brushing up a little more on that game right before the show, John Wall is so inhumanly fast. Like you can be in front of him and your perfect defensive position, he takes two dribbles because of the long legs, and he's, like, inside your body and ahead of you, and you're, like, you have no idea what happened. defending definitely puzzled by his combination of speed and length. And, you know, I think Wall right now with the Wizards gets a little overlooked at this point with Kyrie and with Steph Curry's of the world, but Wall's still playing some good basketball, and, and hopefully the Wizards can, can do something to, to keep him in D.C.
0: Yeah, and the other thing about about John Wall just really quick since since we're talking about him is he's really mastered that like 19 to 20, 20 footer kind of like Kyrie. Kyrie really hits that shot well, and because you have to respect his speed, he just gets wide open jump shots now because you're just always playing back on him, and it, it really just leaves you in a in a situation where he is literally impossible to defend at times because if you if you get up on him, he's gonna blow past you. But he can also now hit that wide open shot with a pretty good. Uh, consistency point guards. My last question for you is if we now consider James Harden a point guard, where would you put him in, in the point guard discussion? Is he top three? Is he top five? I, I don't know where, where we exactly put Harden.
1: I don't know, man. I'm a little I'm a little drained to try to answer that question. <laughs> I mean, I think that it, it's hard because we always have these discussions of, does a guy playing a position make him that position? And I you know, I always feel like it's kind of a case-by-case thing, but then you have somebody who gets upset because they're like, well, you made so-and-so a point guard, but you won't let me make this person a point guard. I think at this point, James Harden is, is playing the point guard full time. And, you know, there are some great things. Obviously, his assist numbers look great, and I think that's because he's just such a prolific scorer. But I think the Rockets lose a lot. Uh, on the other end with him as the point guard. And I think that, you know, to be the legitimate point guard in the discussion of top five, I think you've got to be able to play both ends of the floor and you've got to be able to do the things a point guard does. And I don't know if Harden's quite there yet. I think for for the time being, I still want to consider him a shooting guard, but let's let the season play out. I, I'll i go. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's tough. I, I mean, I guess if he is a point guard, he's got, to, I'm going to answer your question. He's got to be top 10, right? It has to be.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure, top 10. Uh, I'd be curious if he's either top three or top... I mean, I think it's Curry in some order, right? And then do you sure. put in there above, like, Kyrie, John Wall, all these guys? Or does he get, kind of get pushed back to, you know, fifth or sixth behind, like, Damian Lillard and all these guys? So I think that's really his 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 wheelhouse there. Um, and, and to your point about the playing both ends, I really think that's where... Patrick Beverly could help because once he comes back, they can kind of switch, you know, where Harden is playing point guard on the offensive end, but Beverly is defending the point guards on the defensive end. So I think that's something that, that definitely has potential to, uh, to, to really come to fruition. Is this team a playoff team? That's my last question because I'm, really, I'm not sure at this point.
1: I, I'm still saying yes. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. I just, you know, to me, I always look at James Harden and I say he's, he's too good. He does too much to not bring this team to the playoffs, and you know, with the moving pieces still holding that above 500 record, I think does you know speak in their favor. But they they've got to get it together. They've really got to come together as a team, and they do have to try harder. You said that earlier that the effort looks lax at times, and I totally agree with that. But I do think some of that is a lot of guys getting used to this fast system, and a lot of guys getting used to each other. A lot of shooters. A lot of you know, Ariza wants to shoot, Anderson wants to shoot, Harden wants to shoot. Um, I'm leaving somebody out. Gordon wants to shoot. These guys all want to yep. shoot the basketball. So, you know, it's, it's tough. We talk a lot of times with these superstar teams about, are there enough balls in the gym? Well, this isn't quite that kind of a superstar cast necessarily, but they still need a lot of basketballs because everybody likes to shoot. So, you know, I, I, I think they can get it. Hopefully they do. I'm saying yes to the playoffs, though.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why Clint Capella is a perfect fit for this team, maybe even better than Dwight Howard because he does not want to shoot. Uh, he does not need no. any touches in the post. He needs nothing except playing defense and getting rebounds and getting put backs. So let's move on from the Houston Rockets. Um, I'm not going to stray very far away, but uh, in the preseason, you know, obviously Andy and I have a plethora of shows from the preseason, different predictions that we make. We feel very good about them. We feel obnoxiously confident about most of them that we make, even though we know 90% of them are going to be wrong. But through two weeks, basically of the season. Uh, Andy, I want to know what is a preseason prediction that you made that you feel that you still feel very, very good about?
1: You know, and to look at these predictions that I had made, I was looking a lot at the sheet I did up for our divisional previews and mm-hmm. uh, they're not, a lot of them aren't looking so good. No, nope. <laughs> It's so early, but you know, that's how I feel. You know, I think the best one I came up with that I kind of piggyback from you was the process, man, Joel Embiid, I, I, really, I, I think not only is he going to be Rookie of the Year, but he really might be considered the best center in the league by the end of the season. I mean, the things he does are just so far advanced. And I think a lot of that was the time sitting on the bench and watching the game and and getting to see it. But he's just the things that Embiid is able to do with this. We all knew we could rebound. We all knew we could make buckets under the rim. He's shooting the ball. He's shooting threes. He's taking guys off of the dribble. He has the dream shake. And he's just a likable guy. And from being, you know, a week and some change ago in Philly to watch the Magic Philly game, the fans love him. They can't trust the process when he shoots free throws. I tried to tell some of them they should be quiet because you're not supposed to be loud when your team is shooting free throws. They don't get it in Philly. But Embiid, for president, let's go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I, I probably should have picked that one myself, but somehow I didn't because uh, I'm just a negative person. So I just picked a, a really bad team that I was uh, pretty confident in. That is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh I did not have them in the playoffs this year. Everybody said trust Rick Carlisle last year. I didn't have them in the playoffs, so I didn't trust Rick Carlisle, and he kicked me in the ass and showed me that he is probably one of the better coaches in the league. But, you know, I just went with it again. I just said this this Mavericks team is not very good. Uh, I didn't like Harrison Barnes, so that's turning out to be, you know, he's had an impressive start, but they're just not healthy enough. They don't play enough defense. They don't really have enough playmakers on that team. I even think Harrison Barnes, like, he can get hot from the mid-range, but he is also very limited in his ability to sort of take over a game. Though I do like that he's been more aggressive, like, going to the rim, especially when he's hot with his jump shot. But I, I don't see – Darren Williams is going to be in and out of the lineup all season. I think we've seen this for the last, what, I don't know, 20 years now. Uh, J.J. berea is nice, but he's not he's not a starting point guard in this league. And I think you're just seeing that this team is very limited in what they can do, and they're no longer good enough defensively. And Andrew Bogut is not really the answer in terms of the 2016 NBA continuing in terms of them not being a playoff team and and probably having a top-ten pick in in the NBA draft. Yeah, I wasn't very high on the Mavericks either. I think I had them
1: ranked like 10th or 11th in the West. Uh, Took them long enough to win a game poop last night. That's all I can say, man. I I mean I know that's not the best word to describe anybody or any team is poop, but that that's what I'm going with.
0: <laughs> so so yes, absolutely. And they won last night against the in LA, in the Staples Center, against the Baby Lakers. That that's officially what I'm calling them now. And uh that is what what we want to close the show on. So we have the we have two teams in LA, as everybody knows, and for I don't know. Ever, it, it's basically been the Lakers are the show and the Clippers are, are the second hand. You know, they just sort of play there, but nobody really likes them. And then about what eight years ago? No, maybe not that long ago. Five, five years ago, I would say. All of a sudden, the Clippers became Blob City. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, everybody loved them, and it was like the Lakers were horrible, and the Clippers sort of became the main event and the Lakers were just sort of that bad team with Kobe Bryant shooting 40 shots a game. Now we have these, this Laker team, which has a lot of young talent, a lot of young sort of entertaining players, and then we still have the Clippers, who are a very, very good team, probably one of the best teams in the league, definitely went off to one of the best starts in the league. But are we sure that they're more entertaining than the Lakers? What do you think, Andy? Who is the more entertaining Let me put it to you this way? say your wife was like, you know, really, you need to spend time with your wife. You've been out, you've been watching Orlando Magic games, and she's like, I really want you to spend time with me, but I also know that you're kind of depressed because you're watching the Orlando Magic, so I want to give you an opportunity to watch a basketball game late at night. And it was like, let's just say it's the same team. Let's say the Portland Trail Blazers have a back-to-back, and they're playing the Lakers on Tuesday and the Clippers on Wednesday, and she's like, one of those nights we've we got to watch a movie night. Which night are you choosing to be movie night, and which night are you choosing to watch a basketball game? That is my question.
1: Honestly, right now I'm, I'm watching the Lakers just because, and I'll tell you a couple quick reasons. I don't think the Clippers have necessarily gotten – crazy less exciting i guess how i think they've gotten a little less exciting because you know chris paul is a little older blake griffin's gotten older and you know these these aren't guys who are just flying around as much anymore now i do still see a lot of lobs but you're seeing a little bit more of a cerebral brand of basketball the lakers have young guns i mean julius Randle's entertaining larry nance jr's entertaining obviously russell and clarkson are entertaining. This is a fun team to watch. Lual Deng's been entertaining this year. I mean, I just think the ball moves well with this young team. Um, they, D'Angelo Russell is, is going to be amazing. I, I actually wasn't very high on Jordan Clarkson. We talked about that during the shooting guard ranking. I was wrong. Phenomenal young talent. Julius Randle is everything I thought he would be when getting drafted. Uh, I just think it's an exciting team and it's kind of their time to show what they're made of. That being said, I still don't expect this team to make playoffs.
0: No, I definitely don't expect them to make the playoffs either. Uh, But like you, I am choosing the Lakers, and I, I would root it mostly in Blake Griffin, who is probably as good as he's ever been, but his game has gotten a lot more, for lack of a better term, boring. He's no longer the flashy, you know, running lob dunk. Now he gets the ball at the elbow. He sort of breaks you down a little bit. Uh, he'll probably take a jump, you know, more jump shots than usual, and even when he gets to the rim, it's some some nice post moves, which are which are like entertaining to watch if you like basketball, like if you if you like footwork, you know what I mean. Blake Griffin has great footwork now, but it's not it's not really as, as flashy as it once was. DeAndre Jordan really doesn't get like you said, you know, he still gets lobs, but they're not really they're not as often, and and also I haven't really noticed DeAndre making a lot of. But another part of the entertainment of the Clippers was DeAndre defensively making those great blocks and everything. And I just don't see as much of that. And on the other hand, you have, like you said, you have the youth of these baby Lakers who just – D'Angelo Russell is just going to – you know, he he gets the rebound, like, you know, the defensive rebound, and he just chucks a three up, and the whole Staples Center goes crazy. And then one of the best things, which, which also, in fairness, Blake Griffin does as well, Julius Russell gets the rebound, and he just starts, like, crossing over all the way down the court, and he just goes in for a layup, and it's just amazing. You don't even think a guy that big really has handles like that, even though it's become a lot more prevalent in the NBA. And like you said, they have all these role players who are also entertaining. Uh, a guy you didn't mention, Larry Nance Jr., is is very entertaining. He's He's always looking to dunk on somebody's head, even, like, getting a concussion in the process, which I think that he did the other night. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I just – I feel like this Laker team, not nearly as good as the Clippers, but I think certainly more entertaining.
1: Yeah, and shout-out to Larry Nance Jr. for rubbing David West's head a little bit when he dunked on him.
0: Right. You got people rubbing heads for good luck as they're dunking on them. I mean, what else do you want from the – It was disrespectful. (laughs) It it was was very disrespectful (laughs) to an old man like David West, who who never – who had, like, a two-inch vertical in his prime. To begin with, I don't know why Larry Nance thought there was any real chance that he was going to block the shot. So we are going to move on to the end of our show. Like Jay-Z once said, we don't believe you need more people.
1: And in the NBA,
0: somebody matches that mold each week. Andy, who needed more people this week?
1: Man, I got to go with one of my favorite coaches probably of all time, Rick Carlisle, for talking this meta World piece as a head coach thing. He's talking it up, and I I don't see it. You're still Ron-Ron to me. You'd be headbutton players in practice. Nah. No who who's playing for Ron Artest as a coach? Who's not intimidated <laughs> by him that's gonna play for him? I don't get I don't know who. He would have everybody quitting.
0: <laughs> he said what did what did say? He said something like he would hire the person that threw the beer at him, and then they would just throw beers at everybody. <laughs> uh I am going with Phil Jackson. Uh, I don't know how much more proof you need that the triangle is deceased. It's over. Just get it a tombstone. It's done. And also Kurt <clears throat> Rambis again. We really need more Kurt Rambis in our lives. Uh, it is what it is. I, I guess with Phil Jackson, he's just. I, I don't want to say this, but Phil Jackson might be that old man that doesn't realize. He's like the 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 equivalent of a player that's past his prime, but he doesn't know when to retire. That might be Phil Jackson now.
1: Phil needs more people.
0: He, he needed way more people. Phil Jackson, uh, metal World Peace. I, I'm throwing you in there even though it, that wasn't exactly who Andy said. Rick Carlisle more so. Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. And with that, that is the end of our show. Please join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at facebook. dot com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nina Simone, L like Linkin Park, P like Patrice O'Neill. We will end as we always do, but before we do, Andy, who are we watching this week? All
1: right, we got the short week, so I did a little switching of what I was going to originally pick. We're going to watch the Toronto Raptors. They play tonight, Friday and Saturday.
0: Oh, perfect! I'm I'm very excited about the Toronto Raptors, especially I think they're playing. Uh, Okay, you tonight. Yeah, they are playing OKC oh, tonight. Yeah. That's that's going to be a very entertaining game. Uh, so let us end like we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like basketball. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. That we bid you good night.